Well, good morning, Bethany Greenlake. My name is Scott. I'm a senior pastor, Bethany. It's a real joy to be with you this morning. Will you bow your heads and pray with me now? Lord God, we thank you for this beautiful text from Isaiah, this beautiful reminder that in seasons of discouragement and sorrow and darkness, God, you have something in store for us, that there is a promise of joy, not despite troubles, but right in the middle of them. And so, God, we would ask that you would encounter us this morning in our eyes and our ears and mostly our hearts, that we would hear you beckon to us, calling our names, that we might be people of joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Hey, welcome to church. Happy New Year. It's really good to see you. Um, talking today about becoming joyful. I know for some it's like, ooh, kind of a big task here, Scott. Dark, snowy, Omicron. Ah. Uh, my challenge is for each and every one of you that you would seek to have an encounter with God this morning. That God would have something to say to you through this text. And so be listening for what God might want to do. Our title today is called Beauty for Ashes. It, it comes from this Isaiah 61. And, and, and our theme, as we wrap up Advent and next week start a series on Job, today is Becoming Joyful, that we are given beauty for ashes because the reality is that there is a promise through the text of beauty and joy in the midst of every hard season. We just uh, are coming through this Becoming Human series. And as you know, we had the uh, author to Honest Advent, Scott Erickson, come and speak here at Green Lake. And he says this about the reality of needing uh, joy right in the middle of every challenge and obstacle. Erickson says the process of growth is always uneasy because growth never comes through ease. It comes through stretching and expanding of one's own capacity to push on ahead. Now, I read those words, like many of you, I read those words kind of at the end of November, beginning of December, thinking, oh, let's have an honest Advent. This is honestly going to be amazing. And I don't know if you ever had that experience where you read something and you're like, gosh, you know, growth doesn't come through ease. It's like, oh, I don't, that's not for me, but that maybe is going to be a word I can share with somebody else. You read the scriptures about a difficulty and you're like, hmm, yeah, I can't relate. And then boom, like something happens and you realize God was giving you a picture as you headed into a difficult time. Like for me in December, my life slowly through a number of situations started to feel kind of like a country Western song, the one where the beer's all out and the fields are dry and the girlfriend left. Like things just got really difficult in December. We have uh, normally that's the month of December is where my wife and I and our kids uh, mourn and lament the passing of our son 12 years ago. So we knew that date was coming on the calendar. Uh, there was COVID diagnosis and some other challenges happening kind of in our in our family of origin. And then bam, on December 8th, uh, two weeks before Bethany North was going to move into our new worship facility, there was a fire and our new building for Bethany North uh, burned from the inside out. It was December 8th, and we got a call in the morning, text from congregants. We were two weeks from Bethany North, which had been a mobile church, has been a mobile church for 11 years. Um, we were going to be moving into this new spot on Christmas Eve. It was a former fun center, 18,000 square feet, and then a fire broke out. And we showed up to total wreckage. I mean, broken glass all over the sidewalk where the heat of the fire had blown out the windows, where we had been imagining worshiping Jesus and having baptism services and having so much that God was going to do in just two weeks. We had just painted, just carpeted, 
18,000 square feet, so much space for the kids, for worship, a hospitality center over there. We were, we were so clear with what God was going to do in the space. And then bam, ashes. I just want to be super transparent. So when I speak to you about joy, I'm not speaking to one uh, that hasn't been through hard things. Like you need to know that I'm actually still in a season of grief and lament right now. Like the Bible doesn't ever rush us through lament and grief. I'm still very much grieving that space. Like we were going to have space for our community and, and just the mystery of God. Like, God, why, like, why would you allow that? Why would you, why would you take that from our community that was ready to worship there? We had talked about entering into this Job series. Starting next week, we'll have an eight-week series on the book of Job. And the title of the series is Job, Embracing the Mystery of God. And you guys, as I'm standing there sobbing, I'm like, Lord, is this all just so that we can learn a lesson somehow? Like, what are you up to, God, in the midst of ashes in the stench of burned wires and carpet, in flooded waters from the water cannons where the five fire trucks and 50 firefighters risked their life to put that fire out, standing in broken glass. What is the goodness of God when you're more aware of the ashes and the broken glass than the brand new facility? Can we live our values in the valley and, and the mountaintop? Like this is now talking from my story to your story. As you think about wrapping up the end of last year that for most of us was far more difficult than we thought it would be. And as we turn into a new season and you're setting goals and you're, you know, but there's so much uncertainty with our, with our schools, with our businesses, and depending on what you're reading and where and how things are going to look over the next couple of months. And it's like, oh my Lord, you want to talk about joy right now? Really? Well, we must talk about joy right now because God has something to say to us through this text of Isaiah 6 when pointing to the coming ministry of Messiah King Jesus that promises that joy is not only the cherry on top of a life well lived. No, joy is present right in the midst of the brokenness, of the ashes, of the discouragement, of the city that at times feels like it's in ruins. This is where we get to live the values that we profess to be true. This is the dawning of our new season. Lord, how do we see your beauty when all we can see is ashes? How do we become joyful? Well, Isaiah 61 is gonna point to a couple key markers. And I don't mean to be formulaic, but I do want to be prescriptive for you. People looking for joy in the season ahead. Isaiah 61 is going to point to these three places through being honest and being humble and ultimately trying to be helpful in the, into the ruins of the city around us, that we will become people whose joy is restored. There is a promise and a declaration Let's enter into this together. Let me start here. Be honest. Joy is mysterious and depending on your current situation, maybe elusive right now. Let's just start with being honest. Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up broken hearts, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. 
to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance for our God, to comfort those who mourn and provide for those who grieve, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of spirit of despair. Isaiah 61 is, is talking about the ministry of the Messiah. This chapter is often called the song of the servant, point, pointing to the, the ministry of Jesus, to King Jesus, who was born full of God, God incarnate, and, and centered his ministry by the anointing of the spirit, the anointing, which is a picture through the Old Testament of being prepared for ministry by the giving of oil. He's anointed to, to minister to his people. And the people of God here in Isaiah 61, they're, they're listening to the picture of joy, that joy will flow from this Messiah to those in his presence. Now, David McKinnis says of this of joy, joy is an inner quality of life that depends on a right relationship with God. We can get that far. Hang on to this next one. But at the same time, joy is independent of external circumstances. Joy in the scriptures is independent of external circumstances. And to that we say, no, it's not. No, that's not it at all. No, joy is what I feel when we were in Maui together and we watched the sunset and there was warmth. I mean, that's joy. Joy for some of you is just Christmas morning or, or New Year's Eve or some picture where you got to be with someone you love or with something you love or with people that matter. Like, that's joy. That's what we think joy is. That's what we place our need on joy when the external circumstances are aligned. And we, we all want to live in that place. And that doesn't make us broken. That makes us human. We're, we're, we're the same in that regard. But what the scripture said is that joy is promised those in proximity to King Jesus and Messiah. And there is a spirit in here in Isaiah 61 of despair that will be present to us even as we follow God. Now, contemporaries of Isaiah 61, for the people of God listening to this, they understood this quite clearly because they were people that had either just been through the captivity of Babylon or they were, they were coming out of it. They were returning to Jerusalem and they were hoping for the good old days. They were hoping that joy, now that they are coming likely out of exile, that they are back home, but home isn't at anything what they had hoped for. Home hasn't anything that they had planned for. Home hasn't anything like what they thought it would be. And this is where this story from Isaiah 61 starts to feel familiar to our story in 2022. This is where we make the connection to this text because we say, oh, yeah, in the ashes of our daily experience, the, the proximity to King Jesus is a promise of joy independent of my external circumstances. Now that's kind of getting practical for me but getting difficult too, if we can be honest. And guess what? Honesty is all the scriptures give us. Like read Isaiah 61. You have an opportunity for honest reactions to being human. Like the Messiah here, the servant king will, will proclaim and bind up and bring good news and there'll be freedom and there'll be comfort. He'll make things beautiful. Like that's there. But what's also the reality in Isaiah 61? The reality that some are poor, others are brokenhearted. There are captives and prisoners and mourners and grievers and ashes and despair, people who know what it's like to be exiled. 
Like we think at times that the Bible tries to sugarcoat it, but it's actually very honest. Life here on this side of the looking glass will be quite difficult. And for you, what feels difficult as you turn to 2022? Is it a relationship? Is it economic uncertainty? Is it just COVID and all things therefore? Like, I don't know your story all that well, but it's gonna be difficult. And scripture said that you can, you can be honest and we can still hold on to this hope in our honesty that God's gonna work in amazing ways. Not in the absence of ash, but right in the middle of it. Not in the absence of broken glass and buildings that burn and things that feel difficult, but somehow, some way, this Messiah says, in my presence, there will be joy. It's a promise. It's a promise you're gonna have to hold on to, even despite your, honest, your, your honesty. Remember, this is what Jesus pointed to in his ministry in Luke 4, that when Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit of Galilee and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country, Jesus taught in the church, in the synagogues, being glorified by all. And then he came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and was his custom. He went to synagogue and on Sabbath, he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He enrolled it and he went to this text in Isaiah 61. The spirit of the Lord, said Jesus, is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives, recovering of sight to the blind, and set at liberty those who are oppressed, proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up Isaiah and he gave it back to the attendant and he sat down and the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and began to say to them, today in the scripture, it's been fulfilled in your hearing. And they missed it. They missed it. Like here was Messiah that they had waited for reading the words of the coming Messiah of Isaiah 61 and they missed it. Isn't that Joseph's son? Wait, didn't he come up around here? See, there was something in their own experience that they couldn't hold on to the words of the Messiah because there was some gap in their everyday experience. This feels really practical to me because I love talking about God's joy on my mountaintop, but the same promise of joy in the valley is where our values are lived out. Jesus would go on in Luke 4 and say, truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. When they heard these things, all in the synagogue were filled with wrath. They rose up, they drove him out of town. They brought him to the brow of the hill in which the town was built so they could throw him down the cliff. They want to kill him. But passing through their midst, he went away. Why do some miss the presence of Christ in the midst of their everyday experience? I think a lot of it comes down with our inability at times in our religious experience to be honest and to name our actual human experience. There's this great book called Soul Care that my spiritual director and I've been reading by Rob Reamer. And he says this, he says, you'll never rise above your level of self-awareness. The things we deny about ourselves are the very things that deny us from the fullness of God. Because Christ didn't come to manage robots, but to fill us with his presence through relationship. And so there's no guarantee the buildings won't burn. There's just not. But there is a promise 
through Isaiah 61 of a fullness through Christ's life in us that sustains us in every valley of the shadow of death we walk through. But to experience this fullness, we're going to need to be honest about our emptiness, about our pain, about our loneliness, about our fears, about our worries. It's in our honesty that's the gateway for more of the filling of the Spirit. I never learned that as a young person growing up, and I so hope you can hear that today. Your honesty is the gateway for your encounter with more joy of the Lord. That's when we get to say, Lord, you can have my heart, all of it, because I don't have to be veiled from you anymore. I don't have to hide. God doesn't love the perfect ones. He loves his children, which means you and I, in our honesty, we bring ourselves to God. And that's precisely where God says, now you're ready for transformation, for your honesty. And I love that though this church is imperfect, there is a legacy of transparency and an attempt to be unveiled with God. That was Pastor John's legacy, and certainly for over 25 years, Pastor Richard's legacy, that we would seek to be an honest church. And we don't come to church already transformed. How are you, Bob? Doing great, Bill? We come as lumps of clay, hungering for more of Jesus in our lives. When we're honest with each other in our humanity, in our gaps, how are you? Well, my heart's a little ripped out of my chest right now because we had this building fire or I'm worried about COVID or it was kind of a rough holiday season. When we're honest and we see each other in our humanity, that's where God says, ah, now you're ready to experience me more. And the, the, the joy from the presence that starts to be anchored, not by our present situation, but independent, remember, of external circumstances, because this is how God made us to be people of joy, his joy. There's this uh, prayer, it's called the soldier's prayer, that was said to be found on the body of a soldier during the Civil War. And I think it names this honesty that I would love that would mark all of our locations in 2022. We'd be honestly seeking God together despite every challenge we walk through. This is this, this prayer of unknown soldier. I asked God for strength that I might achieve. I was made weak that I might learn to humbly obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given infirmity that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men, I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I got nothing I asked for, but everything I hoped for. Almost despite myself and my unspoken prayers were answers. I among all people am most richly blessed. What a name in our honesty, what we seek for God and that we would honestly be able to live in our present tense, not anchored by a perfect future, but just saying, God, right now in my honest experience, I want to encounter your joy. Be honest. Second, be humble. Because joy comes from people of God when they're authentically hungry for more of God's self. This is from Isaiah 61. God promises to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. See, Isaiah 61 kind of highlights the key ingredient for those ready to become joyful in the year ahead. It's, it's humility. 
Humility is necessary as we seek God. Over 500 years ago, a theologian, theologian Thomas Akempis said this. He says, a humble knowledge of ourselves is a surer way to God than a deep search for, for learning. Because as Isaiah 61 points to you, when you humbly place yourself in the presence of Christ, you're declaring a desire that you would know God in every challenge, in the midst of every ashen experience. And so the promise for the humble ones, if you can bring your honest lament to God, he'll transform you. And there's a gift waiting for those that are humbly waiting to encounter God. Isaiah uses this kind of wordplay from the Hebrew word from ashes to beauty. The, the Hebrew word for ashes is the word a pair to a beauty or a crown or a headdress, pay air. It's almost the same syllables reordered. And in the Septuagint translation, it translates beauty as glory. So from ashes come beauty, for ashes come glory. And there's just this declaration, this restoration project that's given to us as the people of God. When we name in humility that which has burned, God says, now you're ready to also receive something beautiful I can make of that discouragement of the things that feel like ruin to you. God says, that's where in humility, I'm ready to transform you. It does not feel good to have buildings burn glass broken, relationships fall apart. The, the rags to, to riches story, though, that God promises for us is in proximity of his presence. Joy is awaiting. The oil of joy, the text says, instead of mourning. Oil of joy. Oil was a symbol of anointing. It would used in ancient Israel to welcome guests in times of festivity. And so God is saying, if you're empty, if you're lonely, if you're feeling broken, bring your emptiness to me and your humility and, and, and bring your faith that I want to provide for you. And in that gap between who you are and what you're longing for, God says, now I can fill you. The Romans 5 uh, message translation here is super beautiful. What Peterson does with, with Romans 5, he says this, there's more to come, Romans 5, 3. We continue to shout our praise even when we're hemmed in with troubles because we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered still of virtue, keeping us alert for whatever God will do next. An alert expectancy such as this, we're never left feeling shortchanged. Quite the contrary. We can't, we can't round up enough containers to hold everything God generously pours into our lives through the Spirit. God desires your emptiness more than any facade of fullness because in the presence of this Messiah, empty ones get filled. Broken things are made whole. Isaiah 9 had already spoken about that. To the people walking in darkness, we've seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so the ministry and person of Jesus Christ, after this 430-year gap of isolation and quiet, Jesus breaks into the story into what seemingly for the people of God would seem like the darkest night is when the brightest light of Christ shines. And so it is in the dark then, in our longing, in our humility, in our aching, when God says, now you're ready for the breakthrough. And so when we're humble, we're saying, God, I can't do this on my own. I can't can't do this relationship on my own. I can't do the next COVID wave on my own. I can't do this ministry on my own. I can't do any of it on my own, God. And that humility is where God says, ah, 
Now you're closer to my heart than you've ever been. And I long to take things that feel like ash and make them beautiful. Theologian Willie James Jennings says this about joy as an act of resistance. If you're feeling like, ah, I'm feeling some resistance to this guy, I'm not feeling the joy. Well, listen to what Jennings says, that joy is an act of resistance for the people of faith. Jennings says, I look at joy as an act of resistance and to all the forces of despair. Joy in that regard is a work that can become a state, that can become a way of life. Resistance to the despair that all the ways despair drives us to death and makes death the final word. Death in this regard is not simply the end of life, but death in all its signatures, death violence, war. We can add COVID into here. All the way life can be strangled and presented to us that life is not worth living. It is like, Jennings says, singing a song in a strange land, that when we practice joy, it is an act of resistance, that we can make productive use, he says, of pain and suffering in the midst of the absurd. So as people of God, it's not cheap joy, It's the joy of the Lord that the scriptures say can become our literal strength. Or as Jesus says in John 15, I've said these things that so my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. This is the secret code for those following Jesus, that joy can only come not in external situations, though we long for those easy days and sunny experiences on Maui and the buildings that don't burn down and all good things, but No, because of Christ, we've been marked by joy. The church has been marked in our humility and our hunger. We've been made ready for more joy. So when we don't feel it, we're actually more ready for joy than we can ever experience. My hunch is for some of us, we feel too broken for joy, too cut off, too damaged, too distant, ah, Not today, Scott. Maybe I'll be back next week when we start talking about Job. Recently, I had this experience where I had this thing just aching in my shoulder. I was sure it was ripped, ripped muscles, a broken bone spur. Something was not right. And I tried to heal it on my own. I tried to give it time, throw a little heat on it. And just day after day, week after week, just the ache, something's not right. And so in humility, I went to my doctor and said, This isn't working. I can't heal myself. To which he sent me to the physical therapist. And if I don't like going to a doctor, I really don't want to go to a physical therapist. And he he took a look at me and he, oh, yeah, I couldn't get this arm higher than about this. And he, all right. And he laid me out and he pushed on this and put this. And he's like, could you seal this and this? He said, said, oh, Scott, no, you're not broken. You're just injured. Like everything's out of alignment because of this thing and that thing. And if we can push and move and massage, and if you can be patient to the working of your body, you're not broken, you're just injured and we can get you healed. See, humility is for us as God's people to say, I can't do this on my own. I don't have the resources for joy. I can't anoint myself. I can't heal myself. And God says, ah, now my people, you've been honest. You've been humble. You're ready to live into your calling. The joy is a gift for those who follow me. And so that's where I get this commissioning piece that happens at the end here of Isaiah 61, the first section we're teaching that there's honesty and there's humility, but then there's this call to being helpful 
that if we're looking for kind of a recipe for joy in the midst of what is likely to be a difficult winter as we turn the page to 2022, that when we're helpful, joy comes when we start to serve those outside of ourselves. Now, for most of us, this is going to be really distant, maybe offensive, because often we say we serve out of the overflow of our own heart. So if there's a deficiency of joy, the last thing I'm thinking about is serving others, let alone in COVID and, you know, six feet of distance and all this. But what Isaiah 61 points to from this, the serving servant is that the pathway to joy will be as we take our eyes off of ourselves. And this help, this happens often as we're trying to be helpful to other people in the world. The text says that we become uh, will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor, not our own. They will rebuild the ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities they've been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. And you will feed on the wealth of nations and the riches you will boast instead of your shame. You will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you'll receive, you'll rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. It's a very personal word and very pastoral word. The people of God are anointed here. And I don't know if you heard that shift from third to second person. It's quite remarkable that happens here in Isaiah 61, where it's that they will do this and they, and then Isaiah just starts speaking. You will be called a minister. You will be called a priest. Like that's not how it worked in the Old Testament. Priests came from the line of Levi. They came of a, they were a different ilk of people, but because of the Messiah, because of this, the suffering servant, because of the king who comes that brings joy, not in the absence of ash, but right through the middle of it, independent of our external circumstances, we get a new mission. We get a new identity. We get a new calling. We are ministers. We are called to be then restoring and renewing and rebuilding. And all of a sudden, it's like God puts a hammer in our hands and says, I know you haven't even felt joy. I know you're still trying to understand this exchange of beauty for ashes, but I want you to get to work rebuilding, restoring, renewing, bringing new life. And guys, this is not just for the people of exile in Jerusalem. This is Seattle in 2022. The world is convinced as they looked around that that is. There is not joy to be found. Certainly not now. Certainly not with, you know, name whatever feels discouraging to your neighbors, your coworkers. And so you are called. You're called from this gift of the spirit to be a rebuilder, to be a renewer, to be a restorer, to bring Christ's joy into the joyless people around you. Even if you're like, man, I don't, I don't have it. I don't have all the joy. I don't have all the gifts. I don't have the hammer. Can I? There's something that happens as we're trying to be helpful to a world at need that lifts our eyes above our own experience. Tolstoy said it like this, joy can only be real if people look upon their life as a service and have a definite object in life outside themselves and their personal happiness. And so this becomes a mission statement for us as a church that we are co-missioned. We are missioning with God as rebuilders, restorers. There is a definite object and his name is Christ. And there is ashes around us. And so even though I don't have all the gifts and all the joy, Jesus does. Even though I don't feel like, man, I don't even know where to start with this hammer. 
We've been invited with this divine invitation that we become an oak of righteousness and we don't rebuild the city in order to like feel more of God's love. No, our identity is secure because of who the Messiah has already made us to be. And so as we seek to be helpful, we're trying to to just say, you know, what burned around us in this in this COVID landscape? What has been destroyed in our churches and our families? And oh, I don't have the answers, but Jesus does. And so may I rebuild? May I restore? I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm never gonna lie to you. I don't like ashes. I don't like broken glass that still smells like smoke. I wish this wasn't the story. I wish it wasn't. I wish I got to declare to you that babies never die and glass never breaks and all good things, but that's not our story. And still there's joy. Still there's joy. Still there's this anointing for us as God's people. You won't feel it most days, but you're called to receive the promise. So be humble, be honest, and seek if you're ready to be helpful because the the city needs our hope and joy more than ever before. We're ministers now. We're priests now. We've gotten this divine invitation. This is the beauty for ashes moment where we get to declare God's victory into what still feels like a mess. That's a beautiful promise. What an incredible invitation. And Christ is the one that makes people joyful. So, man, I don't have to have the answers. He does. And that's the vision of Bethany as we move into this season that God has for us next where we're uniquely qualified because of who God has enabled us to be, to be telling the truth about Jesus, the joyful one. Whereas Isaiah 61 says, an everlasting joy will be yours, be ours. I'll tell you a story here as we wrap up about Juneteenth. Most Americans raised in our educational society haven't learned a lot about Juneteenth. So I want to talk a little bit about Juneteenth in Texas. On Saturday, June 19th, 1865, Union soldiers on the order of President Abraham Lincoln rode into Galveston, Texas, and they were astounded by what they saw. They were astounded because the Civil War had ended two years earlier and Lincoln had signed the Emancipation Proclamation setting millions of slaves free. But here in Galveston, the word hadn't reached. The news never got here to Galveston. And the people here in Texas were living in decay of racial slavery. They were in ashes. And so the soldiers spread the news. You're not slaves, you're free. You're not stuck here. You've been liberated. The soldiers spread the news that the victory of war had already been won. For years, they had labored in darkness, not knowing that the victory had already been yours, been theirs. And it was said that the slaves in Galveston broke into singing, dancing, praying. They experienced joy. They experienced joy. And so let me pivot to your experience here. That was a long time ago in Texas. What does that have to do with anything in 2022 Seattle? Here's what it has to do. That as followers of Jesus, we've been given a gift, beauty for ashes. And though we're heartbroken when things burn, though it feels like maybe at times we're losing the battle for the war of our spirit and our joy in our city, we have been set free. 
We have been given a gift of joy through the declaration of Jesus Christ. You have been emancipated. And so if you are in Christ, you're a new creation. And this is where the light breaks through the broken parts. Though we face loss and hurt and pain, Christ's light shines through. Or as Isaiah 61 says, everlasting joy, it's ours. It's yours. Receive the gift that's been given. Be honest. Be humble. Be helpful. And may the joy of the Lord be our strength in this season ahead. Let's pray together. Lord God, thank you so much for this beautiful piece of text and through your ministry. And Jesus, we declare your joy right in the middle of what is a very challenging season. We know that for many in our city, Lord, there is fear and insecurity and worries. And so God, may we not sound saccharine sweet. May we not declare something that's not in step with people in their actual stories. May we be honest and humble with our city and our own challenges. But Lord God, may we experience your joy. And may you give us an invitation to be helpful into our families, with our children, with our parents, with our coworkers. Again, being humble and honest, but just trying to be helpful and saying that joy is still available through you, Lord. Make your joy real to us, we would ask in these days and weeks and months ahead so that we would have a ministry and a presence in this city. And all God's people said, amen. As we close in song, I would love for you to be thoughtful about something that felt like in 2021, like it burned, like it broke, like it's not working and it's not happening for you. And as we sing, I want you to imagine bringing that thing or that relationship or that building or that business or that, I I want you to imagine bringing that to Jesus. Remember, joy is in the proximity of the risen ones, independent of external circumstances, but God cares about what hurts. So as we sing, imagine yourself exchanging that burnt and broken and hurting thing and receiving from the Lord his joy. Beauty for ashes. Will you stand with us as we close in song?